And I see women all the time, like really want to give their hearts, but feel really scared to do so because they don't trust men. They don't trust men's capacities. And that's kind of rightly so. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. I wonder if you can guess what my very favorite herb in the entire world is. You think you can guess? Think about it for a second. What is Luke's favorite herb? What's the herb that he uses every day above all else? Well, I'm going to give you a hint. It's uh, it's called coffee, folks. What's even cooler, though, is my friends over at Four Sigmatic now make a mushroom coffee that's got medicinal mushrooms like lion's mane and chaga. Chaga is the king of mushrooms, supports your immune system. It's got hella antioxidants. It's amazing. Now, these shrooms don't contain psilocybin, but they do help you think and be more creative, especially the lion's mane. It's my brain's best friend. It supports focus, productivity, and creativity during my busy days of recording and doing all the other shenanigans that I get up to. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, wait, this coffee has mushrooms in it. Isn't it gross? You're probably also thinking, wait, coffee's an herb? Yeah, it's an herb. It's not like the kind of herb you smoke. I know what you're thinking. Shrooms, herb. That's not where I'm going here, guys. I'm talking about clean living. I'm talking about being awake, being alert, and having energy. And that's why I love the Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee. You can get your grubby little hands on some of this by getting over to foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C, foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke. Just by going to that webpage, you're going to save 15% off your order. What's really cool though, I got this back up here about the Four Sigmatic coffee is it comes in easy to use packets that you can take anywhere. So you put them in your gym bag, your suitcase, your purse. I have these things kind of stashed all over my life in every suitcase, every bag, my uh, like my shaving kit that I travel with, even though I don't shave, obviously. Who needs to shave when you can drink this delicious coffee? No, I'm just kidding, but not really. But uh, I'd love for you to check it out. It's amazing coffee. It's organic, mold-free, all that good stuff. You can find it at foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story. That's foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story. Get your mushroom coffee over there. Let's take a moment to celebrate this fortuitous and very auspicious moment, folks. You just stumbled across episode 264 of the Lifestylist podcast, Soulmate GPS, Finding the Love You Want Without Losing Yourself, featuring one of our most popular guests and uh, one that's been on the show twice before on episodes 31 and 85, respectively, none other than John Wineland. He's an LA-based men's group facilitator, speaker, and teacher who's been guiding both men and women, including yours truly, in the realms of life purpose, relational communication, sexual intimacy, and embodiment for the better part of a decade. And I've got to say, uh, I can give a testament to John's work and how it has helped to expand my capacity for relating specifically 
uh, relating with members of the opposite sex. Although I'm sure that his work is very useful for people in relationships with people of the same sex. John brings a multifaceted approach, which is both energetic and highly practical to his workshops and experiential coaching sessions. His embodiment-driven teaching draws not only from over 30 years of experience of his own Buddhist meditative practice, but also from 10 years of extensive study and practice with renowned yogic intimacy teacher David Data, one of my other favorites. Drawing from Data's revolutionary framework, as well as the deep lineages of Tantra, Kundalini Yoga, Taoist, and Iron Shirt Qigong traditions, John seeks to create a profound experience for men and women longing to express their deepest desires with open, fierce, and loving hearts. And I got to say, man, speaking of love, I love John. Every time I see this guy, he's just so warm and open and receptive. And although his teaching is profound and powerful, he seems to be able to have the unique ability to deliver it with a light and humble heart, which is something I truly appreciate. You know, when you're in the presence of a master, someone who's really nailed their area of expertise, but are still able to remain teachable. And it's a really great quality. And so this goes out with much gratitude to John. I've learned so much in his workshops, as terrifying as they've been at certain times. We might allude to that in this conversation, but this one's almost like a one-on-one coaching session. I mean, my, my questions were very personal at the time of this recording, which by the way, shout out to Attune, uh, the amazing event where this was recorded in Atlanta, along with my Joe Dispenza a prior show that came out uh, a couple of weeks ago and the upcoming shows with Sahara Rose and Icona, respectively. You can look forward to those. This was a part of the Attune series. So I'm very grateful that they gave me the opportunity to sit down with John in person. Because even though we both live in LA, sometimes it's actually difficult to get him in person. So I was really happy to be able to do that. But man, he's just awesome. And I've learned so much from him. And uh, in this conversation, it was, like I said, you're kind of a fly in the wall. And I'll probably be mortified after I release this, but hey, it's too late now. Here it is. It's in your it's in your uh, feed, man. You're about to listen to it Tuesday. I'm going to be back with a show called Maximum Meditation with New Calm, the ultimate stress release system featuring Jim Poole. And that's something I discovered a few months ago, and I am obsessed with this technology. I mean, I'm a pretty good meditator. I've been doing it for 20 plus years, maybe 23 now or so with some regularity and commitment. But this device called the New Calm has taken it to the next level. And so uh, we talk a lot about stress relief with Jim, not just about this particular modality or device, but just how stress works in your brain. And that's on next Tuesday. Uh, And then the following Friday, I'll be back with a solo show called The Flow State Formula, Neurohacking Mindfulness, which is a recording of a live talk I did some months ago at an amazing event in LA called Mercado Sagrado. A couple upcoming events, I'll be at uh, Upgrade Labs Biohacking Conference, March 27th through 29th, Paleo Effects in Austin, April 24th through 26th, Meet Delic in LA, May 2nd through 3rd. And you can find those events and tickets to them at lukestory.com forward slash events. That being said, man, let's jump right into this very intimate and enlightening conversation with one of my favorite teachers in the world, Mr. John Wineland. John Wineland, third time back, third time's a charm. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, good to be with you, man. 
Dude, I'm glad, we got, yeah, I, yeah. I'm glad we got to do this. And also, I think out of 250 episodes, this is probably the earliest one I've ever done. <laughs> like we booked it for 10 a.m., which for normal people, I understand. Like They're like, dude, I'm at work at 8. Right. You know? But um, I was like, can I even talk at 10? I don't know. We'll find out. So you can, though. Yeah, well, so, I get up early. I want to I want to jump right into it. Uh, unfortunately, because I was recording yesterday, I missed your talk here. But I've done a considerable amount of work with you. You know, a few of your workshops and stuff, which have been majorly transformative. I've talked about them a lot on the show because yeah. they've been pivotal experience as a male navigating my way through romantic relationships. And so, first thing I want to ask you is like. What's your hot take right now? What's the newest kind of development or awakening that you're having in your teaching? Mm. Wow, that's a good question. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about like what's the. Um, I think the thing that I'm doing here is I'm is I'm taking a look at what it means to be healthy sexually, you know, as part of the sort of health and wellness uh, prism, right? That this is that this whole workshop is about. This whole conference is about. And, and I think the way that I I've structured it seems pretty relevant. And, you know, there's a, there's stages of health, right? In the first stage of health, it's all about self-expression, right? So we want to be able to express ourselves sexually fully from the, you know, from the light, complete light energy of divine love to the dark energy of, you know, dark fuck, you know, we want to be, and everywhere in between. So we want to be, I can say that on your podcast. Totally. Right? You can okay, say whatever good. you want. No, it's, just, it's just funny. Sometimes I forget that that, you're not like, well, when we're lovemaking, you know, you're just <laughs> yeah. like, it's got to be a good You spot. take the rose <laughs> petal and you yeah. like move it on her third eye as you sing mantra to her. Yeah. I mean, there's that. That's great. Yeah. Right. But there's also the biting, scratching. Like, and, and so sexual expression, healthy sexual expression is the whole spectrum, the base to the treble, right? Low notes, high notes. And uh, learning how to do that, that's the sort of first stage of sexual health. And then once we, once we get good at all of that, which most people don't need it don't even get to that space like where I, they can really most people will collapse at certain energies so what i've been working on here is you know what are the energies that you're what are the gifts you naturally bring like people can just feel like you're good at bringing that to that as a sexual romantic partner and then what are the energies that you want to bring more of i think we might have done something like this in a workshop that you were part of. like what's the like fierce love or dark lover or or, you know, dominance or whatever it is, or surrender, or what's that one of the energies you want to bring more of. <clears throat> so once you get past that, then it's all about, okay, how do I take that to other and be really sensitive to other and, and take my personal expression and, and give it in chunks that people can metabolize and that turn them on and that open them and all that. And then once you get good at that, there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole bunch of substrata here, but then once sure. you get good at that, it's about how do you incorporate the divine and make, it's not about what you, she wants or he wants. It's not about what you want. It's about what God wants, so to speak, <laughs> what the divine wants in the moment, which might be something that you're not even like, you're not even wanting in that moment, right? But, but you know that it's going to open love deeper in the moment. And so sexual health, you know, the, this most sacred form of sexual health actually involves the releasing of your preferences because you're an instrument for something greater that wants to come through as, you know, divine love fuck. <laughs> 
you know, so that's, that's been the, the, the take that I've been bringing here this weekend. I bet that's been a big hit. It, so far, so good. Yeah. So far, so good. I, yeah. I have, I have noticed, uh, probably, you know, not by accident that some of the shows I've done that have the word sex or sexuality in the title tend to be some of the highest downloads. One of yours, I think. And then one of John Gray's also, um, yeah, because there's something we all we all just kind of figure out, right? I mean, we're kids; we don't learn usually in a healthy way unless we have very conscious parents. Yeah. And as men, I think many of us learn from pornography and like yeah. bros at school. Yeah, and then yeah. you go out and try and you know bring that to your early explorations, yeah. and that sometimes you're on is, your own is not really? well received. You know, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. you you know the whole yeah. thing, the whole story. So I, I think it's a really important conversation to have, and. Yeah especially for those of us that are seeking to live more consciously mm. and being able to integrate sexuality into our lives in mm. a way that is productive, not destructive. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, if you break it down, how at least boys, we'll talk about boys since you and I are men, like how we learned about sex, there was basically nothing from our parents, very little, right? Then there was, you know, some kind of pornography movies, maybe like R-rated movies. I don't know, if you, like, you know, uh, something about Mary kind of stuff. And then alcohol and drugs kind of helped make it happen, right? Very much so, yeah. So that's kind of our education when you think about it, right? <laughs> it's pretty fucked up, <laughs> like, right? Like become totally unconscious and, and then, then like, get drunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then fuck and see how it goes, right? right? You know what I mean? Like that's how most of us have learned about sex. And so yeah, there's a complete retraining that needs to happen around conscious sexuality and, and what that means. I'm curious yeah. what your take is on having conscious sex in a casual non-committed type of relationship friends with benefits booty call kind of situation because i've had a lot of those relationships in the past and then that kind of became unfulfilling and i sought to seek deeper meaning and a deeper level of intimacy um and i've also been in relation and so those maybe the more casual relationships were based on sexual compatibility and great chemistry, but perhaps there was an alignment in other values. Um, and then there have also been relationships that have been very bonding in other ways, but perhaps the sexual element of the relationship wasn't as strong. And so I, I'm always kind of left at a place where like, if you lead with sex and that's all you've got, you might not have a great foundation for a long-term healthy relationship. Mm. But if you don't kind of introduce that somewhat early in a relationship, you don't yeah. really know what you've got. So right. I don't know if there's a question in there. It's sort of just a, yeah. a yeah. pondering of like, when does sex enter the equation and what's a healthy way to go about um, getting to know someone in that way? Yeah. Well, I have a personal preference, which is to take a little time, you know, take, you know, a little time. Um, not doing it on the first night, getting to know somebody for a few nights, kind of feeling into it, that kind of stuff. Um, I've gone as long as three months entering a relationship. And I think, you know, I think if you, if you, if you wait to have sex and you bring all the heat without the sex first, then by the time you have the sex, you know, you kind of know, right? And if, if there's chemistry and if there's a good compatibility, that kind of thing. So I think that, I think that it's all, it's all, you know, sometimes one night stands can be the most conscious, beautiful, deeply loving experiences, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that doing them consciously and by consciously, I mean, being aware, both partners being aware of what they're stepping into, really feeling it, 
really feeling it, like feeling like, okay, can I give my heart to this man for one night? Cause I know he's not interested in a relationship. Can I, you know, can I fully love this woman? And can she handle me leaving? Like most guys will just say, well, I told her, you know, I told her I wasn't available for relationship. And then we had sex for four nights. And by the end of it, she's like wanting more. And I'm like, said, I told you. And, <laughs> and guys justify that right? Oh, when yes. they could feel, when you could feel, yeah. you know, you yeah. can tell. I when, know a guy that's done that before. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. 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 So as a masculine partner, I'm saying like, don't create bad karma. You know, like if you can feel in your heart that this woman, you're not, you're, you are just interested in something that will be pain for her. Don't do it. And why do it? Like, why be so, that's kind of desperate, you know? And I think people are, people can get desperate for sex and do stupid shit and do shit that creates bad karma. So yeah, I'm all for it. If every, if both partners are like, yeah, let's have a one night stand and we bow, we like, you know, love each other like with wild abandon and then we bow, we move on. That's great. I think the same thing with friends with benefits, as long as both partners are really bringing honesty and true consciousness to it, why not? Like there's no, there's no limit on how much conscious, beautiful, deep sex we can have. As long as there's a feeling into, are we creating any karmic hooks? Are we creating any negative karma that, you know, that's going to hurt them and hurt us and, and, you know, that we have to clean up. I experienced earlier in life and I'm not really there now where I really enjoyed my freedom, you know, Mm -hmm. through my twenties and Mm thirties and wasn't really interested in relationships or Mm -hmm. being monogamous or anything like that. But at the same time I had gotten sober and it was really necessary for me to be honest in all my affairs Mm -hmm. in order to maintain my sanity, then ultimately my sobriety Mm -hmm. and ultimately like being able to live, (laughs) you know, (laughs) live my life out and not prematurely exit the planet. So like honesty was a really integral part of my life and still is even more so than ever. And so when I, you know, met myself at that place, like, well, I'm 35, like I work in the fashion and entertainment industry. I'm meeting a lot of women. I'm having fun but I want to be honest, I, I started just being very forthright as you just described. Like, hey, listen, you know, we met, we seem to dig each other. Here's what I'm in for. Here's what I'm not in for. And being like brutally, brutally honest to the point where sometimes it was a bit uh, harsh even, you know. Um, but before any feelings or any, oftentimes any intimacy even transpired. And what I experienced um, from time to time was people getting hurt women getting hurt um, because of like, I'm saying one thing, but then I'm kind of doing another, you know? So I'm, I'm expressing very specifically that like, it's just this thing and we're not going to be in a relationship and they're nodding. Oh yeah, totally. I get it. I'm a modern woman. I'm a feminist. Like I get it. I, I have my freedom too. Cool. But then if it happens too often and you throw in a couple sleepovers and it starts getting a little too cuddly and there's a certain sort of threshold of intimacy and cariness that just naturally happens between two people, uh, then they'd kind of be like, well, what's going on here? I'm like, what I told you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> right, right. And But it's in other words, it's like I found at times women would not listen to what I said, but they would watch what I did. And so I think at times, and thankfully this is, you know, I've learned a lot since then, but going back, I was somewhat irresponsible because I thought just telling them was enough. Right, right. But I had to sort of learn how to have discipline and really, you know, not make it a regular thing or get too involved because even though mentally perhaps they didn't, 
they they were trying to protect themselves, their hearts would get involved. Sure. If they have a feminine essence, then, you know, anytime you take them deep sexually, you know, anytime there's depth sexually, um, it's very hard for someone with a feminine essence not to want more of that. So, you know, and there's all kinds of biological reasons, the way that women bond sexually, oxytocin, those kinds of things. So, you know, it stays in them for a long time. So it, naturally, women, feminists or not, they get wired for, for um, attachment different than most men. And I think where most guys run into problems is you could say, hey, here's what I'm in for. But you can feel their capacity when they start to get hooked and, and, and if you blow past that point where your heart kind of knows, then I think you're now entering the realm of irresponsible kind of karma creating, negative karma creating, uh, relating, and, and it's just going to be painful, you know? Right. So I think it's, I think it's, you know, again, I try to teach men, just bring consciousness, like bring real consciousness and real depth on. I think it's great to be honest. It's really, it's really great to be like, here's what I can give you and here's what I can't. <clears throat> but the real honesty is here's what I feel you can take and here's what I don't think you can. And if I go any farther with you, I'm going to take you someplace that I don't think you're really, and then you listen and you feel she might be, no, fuck you, man, I'm great. And you feel the truth of it. You're like, okay, baby. All right. Just check in. Right. Great. I'm glad you're still down. Or she might say, no, 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 I'm good. But you can really feel that she's not. Right. Or you give her a chance to be really honest because you're naming something that she's almost afraid to name. Yeah. And all of those things I think are important for guys to bring to modern sexual relating, you know, whether it's long-term or friends or short-term, any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's a point at which... I think some of us male embodied people also, you know, subjectively speaking and also watching friends of mine as they mature, perhaps and get into their late thirties or in my case, you know, mm -hmm. early forties where that proposition just ceased to be interesting anymore. And there's like a desire for greater depth and greater intimacy and not having to have any kind of breaks mm -hmm. in terms of allowing love to, express itself. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember it was after a few years of Kundalini yoga, I started having the experience in a couple of relationships where I was like, I was confused because I started to have these really heart centered feelings of love for someone that I didn't even know that well. And we were just having kind of a casual thing. And mm -hmm. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like I'm catching feelings <clears throat> like many women have, right. even though Right. I was not intending to do so. You well, know, that's not, that's healthy, man. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. I'm like, how do I stop the feeling? <laughs> yeah. No, but it was, it was an interesting, I think I was very love avoidant for a mm. long time, you know, just to be real. Mm. I did, I did not want to be vulnerable. I didn't want to be heard. I didn't want to show my feelings. So I'm just like, cool, there's a wall around me and you can hang out with me, but you're never going to get past a certain mm. point. Right. Which is fine. That's uh, one way to live, but it's also very limiting as one wants to have more of a deeper expression in general in love in their life. So mm. uh, I found that the tables kind of turned and then I was the one that kind of started feeling a bit needy and like, well, I want more, you right, know, this right. kind of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, do you think there's a point at which men arrive where 
the tables sort of turn in, in energetically and, and they're no longer kind of able to, for lack of a better term, get away with the more casual flings and stuff yeah. because they're too open and receptive. Yeah, well, I think they, it's, well, if you're doing a ton of Kundalini for years, right, you're actually becoming any practice, any embodied practice, yogic practice, meditative practice that you do is going to make you more open and receptive, meaning <clears throat> it's going to, it's going to activate your feminine, your own feminine, which wants love which wants connection, which wants devotion, right? And so there's nothing wrong with it. It's actually a very healthy sign that you're like, okay, I want to fucking fall in love. I actually think that men need to cultivate their feminine more deeply. And they and we did this a little bit of the men's workshop. You saw like I, I had guys work on <laughs> oh, yeah, feminine practice. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, because you, know, you can't really be, you can't own your masculine if you're rejecting your feminine, right? So- so, you know, I think men need to do that. And then it's mature, it's healthy. And what is going to happen is that they're going to get hooked, like you talked about, just like, just like a woman who has a feminine essence would get hooked. So for me, I tend to be of the school that we want every relation, if we're going to sleep with somebody, if we're going to go deep with somebody, it should break our fucking hearts. Like it should, like we should be that in, we should be, I'd rather people, you know, have less sex, but the sex that they have be absolutely bone crushing, beautiful love, even if there's no monogamy or no commitment, but there has to be a really, there has to be depth. I, I, so I'm, I'm of the belief, like you should both be in tears and somewhat heartbroken when you part and go different ways. And I think that the masculine responsibility in a relationship is to kind of know when that is, like to be aware of when, okay, we've run our course or, or if we're going to stay together, this has to happen. Or, um, here's what I feel I need in my life and her values are totally different and know that, right? So the masculine value in a, in any relationship, long-term, short-term is to be able to survey the field of relationship and bring deep consciousness and awareness so that truth is honored. Your truth, her truth, the truth of the relationship. And if you've gone all in to that point and then you bow and end the relationship, it, there's sadness, there's heartbreak, but there's no dishonoring. You know, it, you, you leave like fully given. And I think I'd like to see more of that in relating, you know. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. Oh man, I am buzzing to tell you about Beekeepers Naturals, you guys. Now I've been into bee products for a really long time. And after I recorded and published episode 175 with Carly Stein, I got even more obsessed with bee products. Now, a lot of people think bees just make honey. Oh, that's nice. It tastes sweet and it comes in that little bear thing. No, dude, bees make a whole suite of really potent superfoods. They're actually medicines in many countries. They're considered medicine and I consider them that too. So you've got your propolis, you've got bee pollen, and of course the honey and the royal jelly. Now Beekeepers Naturals, which to me is the number one most premier bee product company in the world, also make a product called Bee Powered which combines all of those superfoods from the hive into one product, which is just absolutely insane. There's something you need to be aware of though when it comes to bee products is that even if you get say like a great honey that tastes delicious and it's labeled organic, 
it still could be tainted by pesticides like Roundup. It's called glyphosate. It's like one of the most gnarly pesticides in the world. Monsanto, you are evil. Shame on you. Why are you putting this stuff all over the planet? Anyway, I digress. Here's the deal, though. You can label a bee product organic, but that doesn't mean that your bees from your hive aren't going down the road and like picking up a bunch of glyphosate and bringing it back into your hives. So you want to only use bee products from a company you can trust. And Beekeepers Naturals is one such company because not only is their whole process organic and really kind to the environment and to the bees, which is really important, but they test for all contaminants and poisons and pesticides using a third-party verified lab. So you know that you're getting a pure, safe, and very effective product from beekeepersnaturals.com. So go to beekeepersnaturals.com, use the code LIFESTYLIST, and save 15% off your order. And now, back to the interview. When a relationship is coming to an end, regardless of the level of depth that you've gone with someone, what are some practices and conscious ways to end that? Mm. And do not people have, uh, whether they be male or female, have different preferences in terms of how they separate. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the, the sad truth, you know, Sophia Diaz, one of my teachers said like, you know, it's fucking amazing just how brutal people get in ending relationships, like from love to brutality in very short periods of time. But, um, if I had my druthers, right, it would be, it would be, there's a, there's a recognition that, Hey, this is coming to an end. There's an honoring of everything that has happened right? Um, there's a recognition and appreciation of everybody. And this can be a practice, right? Like you sit down, you spend a day and you just go through all these things. Like what I, what I appreciate about what we did together and what you brought me and what you, and there's a real honoring and thanking of each other. And there's a sharing of regrets. Like I regret that I didn't do more of this or I didn't bring more of this. And, you know, this idea that relationships need to continue forever or, you know what I mean? Is, 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 somewhat unrealistic, not always, but somewhat unrealistic for every relationship, every time. And so what's really important is that you leave each other, in my opinion, you leave each other better than you found each other. And that, and that a recognition of that work together feels like the best way to end it. So I like appreciations, reg uh, regrets, um, if there's anything else that needs to be cleared, like I wish you would have given me more, that that tends to be the less less important thing because it just creates more drama, and um, and a real honoring of what your partner brought you because chances are, if they're a good person, which you know I'm assuming most people you know are with good people, they did their best, you know they did their best to love you and they did their best to honor you, and so having a recognition of that. What happens in reality is that shit blows up. I mean, this is the feminine. Like the, the feminine, the, the volcano does not ask, like, can I level this town? The town's just <laughs> leveled, right? Right. The tornado doesn't ask, like, hey, can I just like sweep up this entire farm? No, the farm's just completely destroyed. So the feminine in all of us, not just women, in men too, I see this in men a lot, like they'll burn the fucking village down. So the feminine in us will burn the village down. The masculine in us wants to create a beautiful ending and finding some, some middle way where, you know, that can happen, I think is, is really good masculine leadership. I, that's really, really profound. Thank you for that. 
And I like the identification of the feminine within the man. I think a lot of people, I think I learned this from John Gray, like the two of you, the two Johns I've learned so much from, but you know, he talks a lot about the hormones and things like that. And uh, that when men get really emotional, especially if they're in rage, we think of that as like toxic masculinity, but it's actually like toxic femininity because they're having an estrogen fucking overdose and they're, they're going completely into their feminine mm, when they're yeah. like, ah, freak yeah, out, punching yeah. walls, violence. Yeah. That's all feminine, which yeah. is so, I was like, wait, what? Because <laughs> growing up, that was the embodiment of scary men to me that, you know, that were around in my life and um, that I was terrified of and traumatized by. And so I got the message, I'm never going to be like that. So when I have those feelings, I'm just going to point them inward and do it to myself <laughs> rather than other people, you know? And so um, I think it's important for guys to understand and not that there's a right or wrong with expressing that part of the feminine, but guys aren't being like tough when they're being jerks and negatively, destructively expressing emotions. Right. It, it, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with the emotion. It's the lack of container for the emotion or the lack of consciousness around it. So if a guy was going to say, baby, I'm getting really angry. I need to punch a wall for five minutes. Just, you know, stand back. That would be okay, probably. But losing your shit, like, so you're bringing in that instance, the guy is bringing his masculine, his awareness, his true masculine, his awareness and his capacity to hold energy to, the, to holding his own energy and knowing that it needs to be expressed. That is leading, that is using your own sacred masculine to lead your own feminine. And men need to learn how to do that. These days, men need to learn how to work with their own feminine in a very deep way. Because when you do that, then she can trust that you, you can lead her feminine. So when you're honoring your own feminine by acknowledging it and just being aware of it, I'm so fucking angry right now, baby. I'm gonna, it's not about you. I just, I just need to scream for a moment. Excuse me. I'll be right back. You turn and you're, ah, and then you come back and go, okay, better. Yeah. That's trustable. You know, like that's the capacity to own your own shit is very good masculine leadership. And I just think a lot of guys, you know, there's a lot of men's work being done <clears throat> that is very good at expressing emotion. I think they're missing this point. I think a lot of men's work miss, is missing this point, which is that it's not just about expressing your emotions or revealing your emotions or revealing your pain. That's part of it. But it's also having a way of shepherding your own pain and integrating it into your partnerships and into the world in a way that opens people. And so that's a missing piece, I think, in, in relationship and, in, and just kind of this masculinity talk. That's really cool. And that obviously requires a certain degree of a, a certain perspective of self-awareness through meditation practices and whatnot so that there's an observer witness you that I guess we would call that still never changing masculine energy that's observing, oh, wow, I just got this feeling. They kind of just hurt my feelings. Now I want to say this shit to them. Like you have to have some dominion over over your emotional and mental body in order to be able to regulate that and even have that self-awareness. Yeah. You have other to have words, the nervous system strength and the awareness. Yeah. And so you can make the choice of like, I'm going to like, and, and look, I certainly lose my shit still, you know, it's like, it's, but I'd say 
50% of the time I have enough awareness to own it, which is much better than it was 10 years ago, right? And so it's just this thing where you, you, know, you gently figure it out. The other piece that's super important for men is to have other men around you who can see you, who can be the witness for you and be like, mm, that doesn't feel quite right, man. Like continuing with that woman in that way, it feels like kind of piggy. It was kind of bullshit. And having men around you, which is why I love men's groups and leading men's programs, who can point you to that, that's also crucial. Yeah. Yeah. That is the accountability when you have men around that are conscious and courageous enough to, yeah. to be honest with you. And aware. Yeah. Like having aware men around you, that's fucking priceless. Yeah. Like whatever, if, you know, any dudes listening, make that priority number one. Get a bunch of aware dudes around you who are going to call you on your shit. I still have guys from my men's groups and teachers, my men, my, you know, some two of my three main teachers are men. They're calling me on my shit all the time. I, I need it. I need it. Otherwise I'll, I'll drift into my habitual, you know, ego driven selfishness that I, I just don't want to bring to the world anymore. In terms of masculine energy men learning how to have an awareness of their feminine side and their emotions and um, to develop practices and habits of healthy ways to express that without undermining a relationship. So I think in, in terms of the emotion of anger, you contextualize that. How would a man in a healthy way express feelings of deep love, empathy, compassion in a way that wouldn't turn off a feminine woman partner. I think men I know, and including myself at times, have started to venture into the land of like, well, I'm getting feelings. Let me not shut them down. <laughs> right. You know, in a moment of intimacy, right. um, maybe tears might come to your eyes and you're just like, holy shit, I'm feeling this immense sense of love and the heart's opening. And it's a very feminine sensation. Um, I think most men, even though we might be able to access that, we're never going to let our partner see that because it's so vulnerable. Mm. That's a mistake. Okay, That's well, mistake. Let, let, let me, yeah. I'm going yeah. somewhere here with yeah. this. I know my questions sometimes are very meandering <laughs> and I, I feel bad for the guests because you're like, there's 10 questions in there. <laughs> but they take, they sort of take a narrative sometimes for me to formulate. I, I got you, I'm with you. And, you know, and also I want to put things in the most broad perspective <laughs> so as many people can relate to it at once. But let's say... I'm in a relationship and this is, this has happened uh, to me in the past and, you know, going from being very uh, avoidant and sort of really protecting myself to emerging into this, like, wow, I'm actually not going to die if my heart breaks and having the heart broken a few times and weathering the storm and going, cool, I'm going to keep opening it and it's going to keep getting broken. And that's just part of life. Um, but I have experienced in relationship where I'm just having this like, emotional expression and maybe tearing up and just nothing's even happening. I'm just looking at my partner going like, fuck, I'm just feeling this deep love. And um, I've had experiences where they've been really threatened or turned off and even kind of shamed me for that. Like, God, you're so feminine or like, you're such a pushover and was extremely painful to have that reflected back because it takes... Um, it, it takes like uh, so much courage to be able to be vulnerable in that way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I won't put up with it. So, yeah. so men, yeah. I think like 
many like me just don't go there because we're like, I'm not going to like chance opening that portal and have someone put a fucking dagger in it, you know, or at least that's what it feels like, whether they're, that's their intention or not. So what, what's like, as a man, how do you know, not only as, as you said, how to kind of put a container around anger, but what about just joy, bliss, love, open heartedness yeah. in a way that's productive to the relationship and will be well-received. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think I get where you're you're going, and I do see. I I think that it's not the emo, it's not the love, the joy, the bliss, the ecstasy that we're feeling when we're in love, right? Our own feminine. It's the structure of our bodies. So our bodies need to maintain a certain level of structure. So our our front of our bodies need to be open and soft. Our spines need to be strong. We need to be grounded. And if we're all those things, and tears are streaming down our face. So they need to feel the structure, our physical structure and structures, both physical and aware. So our awareness of our own emotion and our physical structure, and normally in a very, in very few sentences. (laughs) So where guys get, where women start to get turned off is the guys like get into it. And then when I was, my mother did this and, you know, we attach it to a whole story of our life. They, they get lost there. But if we just came and said, I just fucking love you. I just like, you're breaking my heart. You're so beautiful. Like, I'm just, I'm in awe of you. Like, never leave me. I just fucking like, I'm, I'm yours. And if we can say it in two, three sentences, it's usually very, very impactful for women. It's when we lose our physical structure or our awareness structure or we start meandering into giving too much story around our feelings because we're scared. And so when we get scared, we'll like add a bunch of shit to it. Um, but that the basic hold the structure, reveal the truest emotion is almost tried and true with good women. Now, if you do that and you bring that to a good, to a woman and she shames you for it, do not take that. Like, wait a minute, I just revealed the depth of my heart to you and you're shaming me? Fuck you. Like, that is not okay. I'm not cool with that. If you ever do that again, I'm out. Period. Three, four sentences. Well, that's a simple solution. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Because if you do it right, Luke, and, and, and if, you, right. Like, if you really give your heart and you're breathing and you're open and your body, and she responds like that, do you want to be with a woman like that? No, fuck that. You just, you just took the most courageous step as a man, like you just said, revealing your heart. And if somebody shames you or stabs you like that, then no. Now, if she's pointing out you lost consciousness in your body or you talked about a feeling for 30 minutes or, you know what I mean? She's pointing that out. That's different. That's different. That's her pointing out that you lost consciousness. Right. And I think men have to be aware enough in their, in their own. She's pointing out like, I know you wanted to tell me something that was emotional and vulnerable, but then you went into this thing or you like got kind of freaky with your body or I could feel all kinds of closure. Her giving you that information is very helpful. Because she'll get repulsed and you'll be like, wait a minute, I was just sharing something. What was repulsive? Guys don't want to actually go into that. Like what, what, what repelled you? And she'll be like, well, you were just kind of too nervous or you stopped breathing <laughs> or you did the things that, that, that mean your structure went to shit. 
So that's very helpful for a woman to point out to you when you're in those motions. But if you like, if you're, if you've done the work, like I know you have to train your nervous system, to be with your own deep emotion and you just deliver it as a gift, as a transmission of love and they reject that question, that woman's, you know, depth and be really clear that you won't tolerate shaming of your heart. That, that would be my recommendation to men. Sage. I love it. Yeah. Because I think we're at a time now when, um, not, not just myself, you know, so many of these interviews end up being like personal consultations. And I think that's what gives them value because there's a lot of vulnerability in that. Uh, yeah, so sure, I try man. to speak for all men, but it's hard to take my, my self-centered self out of it, you know, yeah. but I know but a you're lot. A good rec- you're a good, you're a good reflection of what a lot of dudes are going through. Well, yeah, I hope, yeah. I hope so. And yeah. I, and I do keep my friends in mind, you know, uh, most of my close friends are, are in relationships right now. Uh, I'm not. And, I observe we all go through kind of the same cyclical experiences. You know, Mm -hmm. I think there's kind of that hive mind where you have a kind of soul tribe and you're going through perhaps many incarnations, but at least this one. And you're kind of all learning the lessons around the same time. Like me and all the homies, you know, we're, they're all considerably younger than me. I must be a late bloomer, but um, you know, like my five, maybe close friends, like we're all single, just having fun. And then one guy, you know, locked one in the next, the next. And we all kind of were in relationships at the same time and all going like, wow, we know how to like play the field, but we don't know how to do this intimacy thing. Mm -hmm. And so we're reading books. We're listening to John (laughs) Wineland. We're, you know, podcasts about like, okay, how do you do this? Because the old paradigm of being stoic and just never showing your feelings and not being available for true intimacy and vulnerability is unsatisfactory. You know, it's just like, there's a sweetness there and a richness there. But I think for many of us, it's difficult to find that balance. And if we do happen to kind of step over the line into our feminine and then get shut down, Mm. abandoned, rejected, hurt, whatever, Mm. whether it's intentional or not, obviously, then it's like, oh, cool. I'm going back into my shell and I'm never coming out because I don't want that shit to happen again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, it takes courage, man. It takes courage and it takes, it takes balls. Quite frankly, to go to to give your heart to a woman fully takes balls, and just know you're going to do it. And you're, sometimes it'll be clunky, and sometimes you'll get it crushed. But in the end, it will magnetize a deeper, more devotional woman. Like we can't, as men, expect women to be devotional to us if we're withholding our hearts. We can't expect her to be devotional to our hearts if we're not willing to be devotional to our own hearts. Right? So part of good masculine practice is to get clear, like, okay, what's the truth of my heart? The truth of my heart is I fucking love you. I never want to be apart. And to say that with no closure, um, a great scene, I, I, th- there's three scenes I use to teach men about like claiming a woman fully, right? One is the last scene from Pride and Prejudice where he's walking through the marsh and he like delivers this like incredibly vulnerable admission to her while being completely open. Like he's tearing up and he's just saying, I love you. I never want to be apart from you. And it's in a way that's so beautiful. The second one is the end of season two from Girls when Adam Driver like runs watching FaceTime to to save her from some OCD moment that she's having and he kicks in the door and, and this kind of thing. And then the third is the 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 moment from Game of Thrones where Khal Drago is like, saying, I'm going to sail across the ocean and, and take the throne for you. So those are three ways that men can, you know, claim a woman's heart fully open 
And I think there's a lot to be said for those. I often use movies because I think that they capture these moments that men can dilate and really go into. Um, so yeah, I just, it's, it's hard to, I think men are, men are uncertain about what to bring to the modern powerful woman. <laughs> Got that right. Yeah. It's and, a very confused. I mean, now you, now there's not just what I said before of like, us learning how to, we don't have to be tough. We can yeah. show our feelings, like yeah. that whole thing. Yeah. Now it's also there because of so many of the abuses of men and the yeah. pendulum of sensitivity yeah. swinging so far in the other direction with yeah. the Me Too movement and all yeah. this. I know that many of us are like, can, am I supposed to hug people now? I mean, it's like, mm, mm. you really want to be careful. So mm. there's that element of confusion also. Mm. It's, it's a very, very it, strange time. It is a strange time for men. And, you know, I, I think the answer and... <clears throat> unfortunately most men don't want to do this work, but it's really important work to do, which is become so fucking sensitive, so aware that you know yourself and the field that you're in very intimately. So that requires ninja like training of your nervous system and body to really know when a woman is a yes or a no, because no, they won't say no. Most women still, I see this in workshops all the time. I say, look, put up your hand if you're a no. Put up your hand if you're a no. Put up your, and and they'll, they won't. And they'll say, he did something and I didn't like it. And I was like, why didn't you put up your hand? Like I just didn't. And it happens all, the, even if I give them permission and I have them demo it, they still won't say no. And it's so hard for women to say no. So it means that men have to be really aware. Is that a no? Is that a yes? Like, is she getting tense? Is she opening? And learning awareness is the number one skill I would like full body awareness is the number one skill I would, I would offer men. So Kundalini yoga is a great way to do it. Qigong is a great way to do it. I use, I use both to teach men all kinds of embodiment work so that you become more open and aware and you'll know like how to navigate the modern woman. Right. But it takes time. <laughs> it's a challenge. Well, I like the work that you do and in your workshops, how you integrate all those physical practices. Because mm. I think, and I'm, I'm sure this is true of women as well. Obviously, mm. I just don't know what their experience is. Mm. But for me, I mean, just like watching the way that you sit, you know, you always sit with a very open posture. And in your workshops, you encourage all the men to sit that way. And I mean, these are kind of body language things I've picked up over the years also and have tried to integrate them, but never contextualizing them as holding this container and using my physiology and nervous system in order to build a deeper level of awareness and perception. It's sort of just like, I want to be open-minded and receptive. So I'm going to sit like this rather than like sitting like yeah, this, you yeah, know, it just yeah. it's common sense. But I have found in moments of conflict, which I find to be very challenging growing up around a lot of drama and mm. violence and pain, you know, um, I don't like conflict. And so my fight or flight response is more freeze. I'm just like, don't talk, mm -hmm. don't move. Mm -hmm. Hope the bear keeps going, <laughs> right. that kind of thing. Um, right. but the, the physical posturing and stuff that you teach is so powerful because you're able to really withstand a lot more of that. If you're using your body where you're not shutting down and not protecting yourself. It's just like an open strength. It's really, it's hard to describe, but you yeah. obviously know what I mean. I do. Yeah. What are some other ways that men and women can strengthen their nervous system in order to 
have the capacity to handle uncomfortable emotions and even confrontation and conflict and sometimes very raw communication that that needs to happen in order to facilitate a solution. Yeah. Well, breath is the first thing. That's one thing I always teach as well. Yeah, like just taking it. I forgot like, about that. Yeah, breath, <laughs> breath is super important because your nervous system, you know, you're, you stop. You, the first thing you do in, in fight or flight, is, it freeze, is you your breath stops. So if you want to, so breathing, I've been doing a lot of martial arts the last couple of years since I think we last spoke and I've been doing a lot of Kung Fu and sticky hands, right? One of the things I love about sticky hands is that the, the, the idea in sticky hands is to stay center line to your opponent, right? So you stay center to center and then you move in, you feel react. So you're constantly like touching them. You like, you want to be touching them. This is kind of, you know, Bruce Lee brought this to the U S and you want to be touching them and then you react, feel react. So in a fight, with a feminine partner, <laughs> I'm just talking to the men now, moving forward and you constantly move forward. If you stop moving forward, you're going to lose. So you're constantly moving forward. So breathing, feeling, reacting, moving forward. These are things and staying connected to the earth. These are things that if men can do, so moving forward in a fight with a woman means tussling. Like she comes at you with, and then you have some move that actually takes that rah, 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 takes that energy and transmutes it into something playful or loving. So why didn't you put the toilet seat down? And then you like move closer to her and pull her near you and say, I love it when you tell me what to do. Right? <laughs> That's like a move. It's like a, right. you know, you know yeah, and, yeah. And it's like a tussle, right? So, yeah. so I love when you talk to me like that, talk dirty to me, right? Something, whatever you, whatever, you know, everybody's got their own move. But, but there's a, there's a thing where you're moving forward, moving forward. And most guys, when they, when their women come at them like that, they, they kind of either freeze or move back or attack. There's not like this kind of tussling, playful, what my teacher David Data calls flowery combat. And learning that, I think, no, no, I'm making it sound easy. It's not like dudes need to kind of do all kinds of training. And this is why I have a job. But that's the, that's the skill set that's needed moving forward with, with where women are at, both in their level of, you know, powerful, their own powerful masculine that they've cultivated over the last 40 years, their deep level of mistrust of men and the masculine because of, you know, tens of thousands of years of abuse and the ache in their heart of not being met because men have just got for the last 20, 30 years have got more consistently numb and checked out. And all those three things are hitting women and making them feel almost desperate, you know, for like, Oh fuck, what am I going to do? Look, look at them. The men are doing this or they're doing that. They can't hold their emotion. They're numb They're And I, and I see women all the time, like really want to give their hearts, but feel really scared to do so because they don't trust men. You know, they don't trust men's capacities and that's kind of rightly so. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. When I first found the product made by today's sponsor, Comrade Socks, I was so stoked because I love wearing compression socks when I travel. And now actually just when I'm living my life walking around because I didn't realize how awesome they feel all the time. 
But I also kind of have my own fashion sense. You know, I worked in the fashion industry for a long time and I like to wear me some colorful, well-designed socks. So when I found out there was a company that merged both of those things, meaning some like medical grade socks that don't look medical, they look fashionable and help with the swelling and all the discomfort associated with being a human and having feet on the bottom of your body, I was super pumped. So if you want to check these out, here's what you do. Get over to comradesocks.com forward slash Luke. That's C-O-M-R-A-D socks. Comradesocks.com forward slash Luke. These are great for preventing swelling. So you're more comfortable when you travel, sitting or standing for long periods, speeding up muscle recovery after workouts. And they come in a range of colors and styles that are actually dope looking. No one will even know you've got scientifically designed compression socks on under there. If you've got more circulation, you have more energized legs, less pain and swelling. So you're just living that good life. And they also use something called smart silver antimicrobial technology, which prevents odor causing bacteria. So your feet don't smell stank, which is a huge plus. So get over to comradesocks.com forward slash Luke. That's comradesocks.com forward slash Luke. Enter the code Luke at checkout and save 20%. And now back to the interview. I hear a common complaint from women that um, men are, you know, as you say, numb. I think I've heard the term emotionally unavailable. Mm. And there are, of course, you know, patterns that develop in childhood where, yeah. I mean, certain women pick unavailable men because their dad was unavailable, you know, the whole yeah. thing, yeah. Um, which you can learn about in therapy, <laughs> but um, yeah. hopefully. And then, you know, we have our own, our yeah. own thing too. Um, perhaps mother was a bit overbearing. So, that, you know, as a male, you're more avoidant and mm. you're like, oh, I don't want to mm. get trapped under the pressure of a woman's emotions or mm. attachment or whatever. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, but I have also witnessed again, like myself and friends in that kind of, sloppy stumbling into being emotionally unavailable and not mm. having the wisdom to know how to deliver that in a mm. way that's not overwhelming or a turnoff to a woman. Yeah. So it's, I think that goes back to that confusion. It's like, okay, so women, you guys are saying you want us to be more vulnerable, open, right. emotionally available. Right. But when we are, you don't know what to do with that. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> so it seems yeah. like there is a lot of finessing of this and it's, it's art. It's right. art. And I think that most people, same for women, right? Same for women. When we're talking to women, like their capacity to reveal the yearning of their heart or the truth of their heart, um, it's an art, it's an artful practice to be able to do that. So yeah, it's, it takes massive amounts of refinement for both men and women to really, re, you know, this is a human issue, right? Not masculine or feminine of, of revealing the truth of your heart in a way that occurs as a gift, to your partner that takes art and it takes it's a it takes yogic practice it takes nervous system training and it's something that most human beings are not up for you know because it requires a commitment requires intentionality requires practice like i'm you know you know me man i'm, I'm people should be practicing 30 minutes to an hour a day of opening their body deepening their breath connecting to their core feminine or masculine essence. Oh, yeah. That's what I wanted yeah. to ask you. Yeah. I've, you know, I have my notes printed out, but then talking to someone like you, like I don't like the notes go away because it just has a way of meandering and you're a great communicator. Uh, but I did want to ask, um, wait, what was that last thing you said? Cause then I looked at my notes. Like and I forgot. connecting to your masculine or yeah, feminine yeah, yeah. core. Okay. The, your core. Cause I remember this in your men's uh, group we did up in Shasta, which was 
freaking fantastic. And I just want to say, I mean, men, and I've been to the mixed ones too, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not just plugging this because you're sitting here. I always tell men like, dude, you got to go to John's things. Mm-hmm. Like it is a game changer. Mm-hmm. But you talked about how you personally have a masculine core, mm-hmm. but your emotional body is feminine. Yeah, and you sure. went into a little bit of that. It was yeah. very helpful to me because yeah. in relationship. I'm miserable unless I'm in the masculine role in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. We're, it's not going to last. Right, right. I just can't be with someone who wants to be the leader, be in charge, be controlling. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I'm controlling I'm with and you, I love man. it. I'm with you. Yeah. But I'm also super alpha and I don't, I don't think my way through life. I feel my way through life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just super intuitive, high empathy. Mm. And so it's a bit of a war inside. So what do you mean by like someone's core and then their emotional body? What are the different aspects of right. us as, as humans that um, are, are sort of um, managed by those different emotional centers? Yeah. Well, that, that's a very deep question. There's a lot of layers to that. So I'll give you just the, you know, the two minute version of that. Most men have a masculine core, meaning that they would prefer less to more. <laughs> most of the time they would prefer to lead, like you talked about in relationship, they would prefer to penetrate and facilitate the surrender of their lover. They would prefer to have those things most of the time, not all the time, but 70, 80% of the time, that's the role they want to play in the relationship if they have a masculine core. Does that include not wanting to be told how to drive? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's, you know, it's kind of common that you, you want to be the direction Okay. So if you have a masculine core, you want to be the direction, the clarity, and the consciousness of the relationship. You want her or him, doesn't matter, to be the energy, the love, the flow of the relationship most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. So that's how you know you have a masculine core, sexually and relationally. Also, you know you have a masculine core spiritually if resting into if relaxing into the consciousness of nothingness or the emptiness feels good that's there's nothing better than that exactly so that's <laughs> that's how you know if you you feel like if you feel like you're sitting in nothing and all of a sudden you just like you're sitting in nature in the woods but and you're just opening into the emptiness of the beauty around you and that feels like bliss masculine core. That's how you know. So if three hours in a float tank is your favorite yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, you you go. Are, okay. per- perfect. Good. Man, perfect. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm, you've got a masculine core, no, got that. but you, ha- you have a feminine emotional body too. Yeah. Just I like sense me. that. Yeah, just like I mean, me. just moments yeah. ago, I'm like tearing up. I mean, yeah. my emotions are always so accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Right. As long as you're conscious of it. Right. So those of us who learned intuitively, you know, who were, whose emotional bodies, maybe, you know, for me, I was raised by all women. So uh, literally five women, an aunt, a great aunt, a grandmother, you know, grandmother, mother, you know, but it's just like, so I was raised by all women and three sisters, four sisters, include my stepsister. So I learned about the emotional body, the feminine body. And it just kind of, you know, just the way that I was raised. So I have a feminine emotional body. Now it's beautiful because I'm, I can feel shit, right? You, you're very intuitive too, right? So I can feel it. I can cultivate it if I if I'm judging it like a lot of guys will. Like I know a lot of guys who have feminine emotional bodies who will judge that or or make themselves wrong. That doesn't work. So what you do is you like get you get busy accepting who you truly are. Wow, like I'm a dude with a masculine core, a masculine sexual essence. 
masculine relationship to my body, but my emotions are highly feminine. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive. I'm intuitive. I, I care a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm an empath. Those are, those are, you know, those are great. Right. And so now it's just about your masculine recognizing your own feminine in terms of your emotional bodies and the flow of emotion, which can get quite volatile sometimes and creating space and practice and communication techniques. So I will say to my partner, I just feel fucking needy. Like, wow, I just, I'm so needy tonight. Like, I just need you to... Oh my like, God. Yeah. I would be so afraid to, to verbalize <laughs> that, dude. I don't think I could ever say that. Oh yeah, no. I'll, I feel that sometimes, you yeah. know, like there's distance and I'm like, I need to know we're cool. I, I need that connection back, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I, I, yeah, no, no. And that's part of, that's because I've done the work. I've done right. the deep inner work to get, get right with my own truth, my own emotional body. So I think that's a big piece of men's work that again, it doesn't necessarily get taught in the traditional men's practice, right? We'll face our emotions. We'll get good at it, but learning to face your emotions and then learning to communicate them to the world and express them through the body and through words. That's a yoga. That's a yoga that people you know, I, in my opinion, need to learn men, especially these days. Yeah. I would assume, and this might be an incorrect assumption that someone like you or I, that has a very strong emotional body might be best suited to be with someone, uh, you know, whatever their gender happens to be, obviously your work is, I would say pretty gender neutral because it's about energy, masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. I get accused of being too heteronormative every once in a while on my show. I'm like, how, what, that's what I am. Like, yeah, how yeah. can I not have that perspective? Yeah, you know, yeah. I've only lived this way for 49 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems as though y- you might have to be with someone who has an even more prominent or dominant emotional body themselves. In other words, like if you're wanting to be the masculine energy in a relationship, you probably can't be kind of more feminine emotionally yes, than can. the other. Yes, you can. How do you do that? You just be aware and you oh, warn okay. them. Now, you with a, with an, with a feminine emotional body, a man, a, a masculine being with a feminine emotional body like me, I I need somebody who has capacity to hold space. Got it. I need somebody who has who if I asked her to she could step into her masculine and my partner's good at this. She can step into her masculine. And actually, if I give her warning, I'm like, baby, here it comes. Like, I'm just, I'm a fucking hot mess. I'll say that I'm a hot mess. You got to take care. You got to take care of me. I'm just, I'm just, ah. And cause I get that way after I teach for a long period of time. And so I'll warn her and then she has to have the capacity to step into a, her own sacred masculine and hold space for me for a few minutes. If it's not the whole relationship or it's not forever, uh, if it's just an evening or an hour or a few minutes, most women are totally game for that. And I teach women in women's groups to to do that. Like I teach women to cultivate their own sacred masculine so that they can hold, you know, the feminine responsiveness that they want from their men. Like you said, they've got to cultivate their own sacred masculine. Women do to hold space for that if they want it. You know, if they want a guy who's got no emotion is just t- totally shut down emotionally. Great. They don't have to worry about that. But most guys in modern relating now have more emotional capacity than they did 20 years ago. So women have to have more capacity to hold that their, their man's feminine. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So it sounds like we're 
doesn't sound like we are evolving. Totally. Right. Especially totally. those of us that are into mm-hmm. doing the work on ourselves and mm-hmm. becoming more conscious. It's, it's not an either or black or white duality of mm-hmm. like, I'm the master one, you're the feminine one. Mm-hmm. There really is a dance then yeah. in a dynamic, healthy relationship where each partner hopefully is, has enough self-awareness about what makes them tick yeah. and can find a way to integrate and communicate. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. interesting. That's, it, that's cool. It's, it's a total evolution, Luke. And, yeah. and I think we're, like I said yesterday and during my session here, it's like we're at, a, we're at a unique time in history where we're cultivating these things and we get to choose the kind of relating that we want because we're not required for security or protection or prop, propagation of the species to be together anymore. So we get to choose like, oh, like I want to, we get to actually, we're in a moment where we get to choose relationships and create relationships that honor our the truth of who we are. So it's a really exciting time in my opinion. And what if one finds themselves in a relationship where they feel like they can't express the truth of who they are? Does that mean they're in the wrong relationship or does that mean mm-hmm. they're just not having the courage to show up? Normally it's the latter. Normally it's the latter. Normally it's either a refinement of skills question. Like it's not that the truth of their heart can't be accepted by their partner, but the way they're delivering it needs to be refined and more artistically created. Most of the time, people aren't certain about staying in relationships, not because of the other person, but because of themselves. Because they haven't, they know somewhere in their hearts, they haven't fully given it their all. They haven't fully revealed their truth. They haven't fully owned what they need to own. They haven't fully developed a skill set that, that, will serve the relationship. They haven't fully um, honored their terms in the relationship. And they have to do all that first for a period of time, two months, three months, six months, and really give their partner, you know, I'm assuming this is like a longer term commitment, right? Really give their partner a chance to step up. So I think those are the main issues, like your skill sets, which is, you know, what I'm all about, your skill sets, your awareness, and, um, and then go all in, like, like, you know, give your fucking heart at the altar, like be that committed that you're going to just give it your all. And then in six months, if they're still not getting you, then you're like, okay, I tried baby, you know, I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to move on to somebody who's more suited for my gifts. Right. Cause there's someone for everyone. Uh, totally. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Multiple people, I think, over the course right. of a lifetime. But right. yeah, it seems yeah. that way. Yeah. We have this idealistic, some of us view. I mean, for me, I just, I hate dating and I hate breaking up. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, that's kind of just find yeah. the one person and this is like our path. And then we die on the same day. You know, hopefully like we're 99. We both we just, go Sid and Nancy we, on Yeah, we shit. just die in our sleep and, you know, never have to suffer the loss of an attachment mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, a sense of abandonment. Um, in terms of the the container, this is something I really wanted to cover with you. If the masculine role in the relationship is to create a a container, a safe space for the storm that is the feminine, you know, mm-hmm. the fluid emotions, the constant change, never the same, and right. then the masculine is the same. That harkens back to an experience I had um, on ayahuasca in Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and it was it was like ladies' night, and right. all the shaman were female, and it mm-hmm. was just this just completely intoxicating feminine energy in the space, the music, the dancing. I mean, it was just like, Oh my God, I'm like in the, in the belly of the feminine beast, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And I went outside and I was looking at the, this amazing fire pit and I had the realization 
that that fire is the feminine, you know, because mm-hmm. I would try to grab, I mean, I was high on ayahuasca, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. but I tried to grab the fire like, there it is. Nope. No, it's not. It's yeah. gone. Yeah. And then the container's just there getting burned, charred. Mm-hmm. It doesn't move. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's great. And then mm-hmm. I looked at the moon and the moon was illuminated by the sun. I was like, oh, the moon wouldn't even be visible without mm. the sun mm. giving it its mm. energy and its light. And, the, and yeah. the moon's just there receiving, receiving. So it was this amazing moment of that. And so I was like, well, okay, I get that in nature. Mm. How do I integrate that? Mm. And I think for men at times, it's challenging to tell when you're just holding space and you have to have a nervous system and learn how to breathe and accept the the fluidity and the you know emotional unpredictability of a partner mm. and when it's just like unacceptable like you know when you draw the line <laughs> of like this person just mm. you know has issues that they haven't dealt with mm. and it's not my responsibility to handle them or to hold right. them that's their shit they need to go deal with because right. they're too reactive or angry or they shut down or whatever it is right. like w- how do you determine how much space to hold and where to draw the line well i think i've answered these in, at different times during this interview right but but basically there's a first place is that you you bring your sacred masculine, your capacity for awareness, your nervous system strength, your physical strength, right? Which includes your nervous system strength. I'm not talking about muscle. I'm talking about like capacity to hold, to be in your own emotional body and the emotional bodies of others, right? Your breath work, all of that work that you know about, you cultivate that enough so that you can hold your own feminine first, your own feminine first. So what, where most men, I think, make mistakes in this work is they're like, okay, I'm just going to be stoic and hold the feminine for her. I'm dying inside, right? Whereas the real thing to do is to cultivate your own, like she might be storming or raging or calling you something. You're breathing deep. You're grounded into the earth. Tears might be streaming down your face because your heart is breaking and you look into her eyes and you say, ouch, baby. Ouch. Fuck, that hurts. That's it. You reveal the truth of your own heart while maintaining meticulous structure, while maintaining an awareness of your heart, her heart, the relationships, you know, health and energy. And so, you know, masculine awareness needs to be, needs to pervade the entire relationship, your body, her body, her heart, your heart, all of it. Then you can feel once that's happened, then you can feel like, okay, like I said, if you're bringing your open, true heart to her with meticulous structure and vulnerability and depth, and she rejects that consistently, then you say, or she brings, she brings her own neurosis or unprocessed stuff to you consistently, and you're responding with depth and practice and the best you've got to offer. Then it's at a, after a few months of trying your best, like really trying your best, trying to you know change your skill set, trying to change how aware you are of your own stuff, try to own your own shit. Then after that, you can bow and say, "Look, baby, I've given you my best." You know, it feels like somebody, another man, would probably serve you better. I'm talking to men right now, but with yeah. the same same thing applies to women. Yeah, me too. Well, yeah. that's I asked the question because I think you know men hear work like mm-hmm. yours and <laughs> they think, okay. I just got to like be that can be that, you know, be those bricks and let the fire be the fire. But at at some point, you know, you're getting burned, you know? Yeah. And so uh, me and other guys are get the, if you look at the bricks uh, the next day when the fire's done, they're scarred. 
They are. They're scarred. So are the rocks, right? They're scarred. So if you're going to get into the, you know, if you look at the, you know, the, the Grand Canyon, it's getting eroded, it's getting killed. The skin's getting pulled off of it. Right. So the, you know, if we're going to step into the ring, we're going to get scarred and there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually, it's actually beautiful and sexy. And I just think that men, men's capacity to, it's a common mistake that you, you, you touched on, which is that men will think I have to hold the space for all of the feminine storm. No, what you need to do is you need to determine how much space is reasonable and then lay your, lay your ground rules there. Like she does not want to rage on you for hours at a time. She might do it because she's in her completely unheld feminine. So part of creating a container is for you to say enough. Like I've heard you. I apologized. I gave you my truth. I heard your truth enough. That's it. No more. That's a container. That's a container. So men think that part of what men have to learn is to have, now that takes nervous system strength to do that in a way that she will, that will actually relax her. You know, you maybe put your hands on her shoulders and you go enough, baby. That's it. I heard you. That's what she wants. She does not want to be a volcano for an hour and completely level the village. She feels like shit when she <laughs> I love does that, that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, we know as men, when we level the village, it's not long after that you're like, oh God, yeah. I wish I could take back that thing I said. You know, you said that one thing that was just over the line yeah. of being hurtful and not just expressing your feelings, yeah. but you're like, yeah. ah, you know, yeah. you you throw a dig in there and you're like, ah. Yeah. Your value to her is to, is to know when it's enough. That's part of your masculine value. What are some tools women can use? Uh, well, anyone that has a desire to maintain more of the feminine role in a relationship um, to bring themselves back into that uh, optimal position for polarity. Um, mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, say woman CEO, girl boss, lawyer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but doesn't want to come home and be boss to yeah, 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 her yeah. man. What are some ways like that, that she can reintegrate and go, oh yeah, let me like have the awareness to kind of switch over and mm. have the dynamic that I so desire. Yeah. Two things I'll give that are relatively easy. One is develop a pleasure practice, like literally develop a practice of honoring pleasure in your body daily. Could be a certain kind of masturbation practice or movement practice, or just kind of like the women in my women's groups, they'll do, we teach them a pleasure practice to do every day. That's just honoring their body and cultivating and amplifying the pleasure in their body. Because most women, when they are CEO, girl boss, they might enjoy it, but that doesn't create a lot of pleasure in their bodies. So to switch from that, they've got to move from their own sort of holding space, kind of you know more tank-like, <laughs> to getting home and being more like bamboo or you know like flowing water, or, you know that kind of thing. So that would be the first to develop a pleasure practice, and the second would be find modalities of movement and and physical practice that cultivate the expression of love through your body. So sacred dance is one, hula is one, like even twerking, you know, I mean, I, you know, like just cultivate the movement of Big energy fan. and love. Big yeah, me, me too. <laughs> so cultivate the movement of energy and love through your body. And if you just do those two things, you will be more in your feminine and your partner will thank you. That's cool. Yeah. Sage advice. I like that. Yeah. It, it brings me back to one of the exercises we did in your last men's group mm. that was, there was, there's a, I mean, you really put 
I don't know how it is for women, of course, but yeah. like for us guys, that shit is hard. There are some <laughs> things you have us do that are just, that are mortifying. Um, but I think because I've been practicing the art of surrender and just willingness for so long now that some of the things that I saw the other guys freaking out when you had to like, I don't know, like embody some your shadow. Yeah. We did the exercise, yeah. you were embody your shadow. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, really, John? Like, this is so <laughs> whack. And then I'm just like, I'm all in and I'm right. on the ground, you know? Yeah. And the homies I was doing mine with were like, damn, are you an actor? I'm like, no, I'm just, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Right. So some of the things that were really hard for the other men, I just, I managed to summon the, mm-hmm. the wherewithal to do. But the one that was the most hard for me which other guys seem to kind of get into was when we had to embody the, well, you invited us. We didn't have to do anything to embody the feminine mm. and, and, and really move our body in kind of an ecstatic mm. dance mm. and this freeform dance. Mm. And I'm not someone who's ever really expressed myself through dancing. Mm-hmm. I used to play music and right. you know, I right. like, if I have an instrument, I'll groove around, but right. like, I'm like jazz hands. What do I do with the hands? There's right. no bass, you know? Right. Right. Um, but when we did that, it was interesting because there was this, self-consciousness. I look mm-hmm. stupid. The, mm-hmm. You know, the guys are going to be judging me, right. all that kind of stuff. And then there was a threshold that I passed and I kind of clicked into it mm-hmm. and, and got out of my head finally. Yeah. And I still felt like a total wuss, <laughs> but I did kind of like get a glimpse of like, Oh, this is that thing where it's constantly shifting and changing mm-hmm. and moving. And there's no logical order of anything. There's no yeah. plan. There's no strategy. There's no tactic. Yeah. You're just embodying energy and moving it around. And I thought that was a profound practice to mm-hmm. give me the experience of what it might be like on the other side. And yeah. it, it did actually increase the level, I think of compassion and yeah. understanding. Well, it's one of those practices that it's about pleasure. Right. So it's, it's like, okay, only move in a way like men can do this and they need to do this. Right. Cause we're like, you know, we're kind of linear, so linear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to move as pleasure. And one of the great things about a practice like that is that that cultivates sensitivity. So we've been talking all, you know, all interview about the sensitivity that needs to be cultivated and being able to move and flow and let your body kind of ask for the next movement and let it be nonlinear and let it be all about feeling good. That's a great practice for men and it cultivates a, a, a really wide swath of sensitivity that I think that we've been talking about for the last hour about what men need. So that's why I have guys do it because A, they need to feel good, right? You need to feel good in your body and B, you need to cultivate sensitivity. So yeah. Yeah. yeah that You're was, not the first dude. To go like, oh. <laughs> it was so mortifying, yeah. but still beneficial. Not yeah. something I would voluntarily engage yeah. in on a regular uh, basis, but it was like, oh, cool. That was a nice glimpse into that world. Let me get back to like being cool. Yeah. <laughs> Another yeah. exercise that I thought was really profound, and this was in your Art of Fearless Intimacy mm-hmm. um, uh, mixed workshop that right. was in Santa Monica a couple years ago. And it was at a perfect time in my life because I was in a period of celibacy and not dating, was really just going inward and doing some work. And so I went as a single guy and as you know, but I'll tell the audience, uh, there'll be a number of single guys and single women and then a lot of couples. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking in kind of being like, oh, this is pathetic. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're here solo dude. Like seriously, it's like the high school dance standing on the mm-hmm. wall waiting, you know, to find someone to dance with kind of thing. But then you'd partner us up with these different women. And it was really powerful because I got to work with so many different souls mm. and female mm. bodies. Just when I'd kind of get comfortable with one mm. doing one of these intimacy exercises, you'd be right. like, okay, switch next lady. I'm like, <laughs> ah, God, I just was like feeling okay with this one. <laughs> right. But um, there were so many exercises that were powerful, but two of them that were just extremely transformative. One of them was 
an eye gazing exercise where um, you would either bring, um, I think it was warrior mm-hmm. or what was lover. It? lover, warrior, warrior lover. or lover. Yeah. And so those listening, um, there's no movement of your body. You're just standing face to face with your female partner. And you have to express without moving, saying anything, doing really yeah. any facial expression, just energetically a high degree of warrior or mm-hmm. lover. Mm-hmm. And then you get feedback mm-hmm. from your intuitive female yeah. partner as to what they want more. So right, if you're right. like bringing too much lover, they're like, ew, more yeah, warrior. Yeah. And right. too much warrior, they kind of get scared looking and yeah. they're like, ah, more lover. Yeah. And that was the first time I ever think that I consciously was able to hit a sweet spot, yeah. the right note, just for seconds at a time where they're yeah. like, that right there. Yeah. And I'm like, Luke, remember the shit. <laughs> this is what you got to bring right here. Yeah. What's up? What's up with that exercise? Yeah. It's about, you know, it's about installing in your nervous system, that perfect blend of your fierceness and your love, fierceness, warrior, lover, you know, heart lover. So it's about finding the the capacity to bring fierce love, which the feminine craves. Like she can't actually surrender deeply unless she feels both the part of you that loves her and is devotional and the part that would kill someone who wanted to hurt her and by extension kill her unconsciousness or kill for love or ravish her like the 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 perfect blend of lover and warrior is the part that ravishes her heart and so men don't like we talked about at the beginning we weren't taught no one taught us in high school like oh yeah bring the perfect blend of warrior yeah. killer you yeah, fucking no. you know you, they'll throw their panties at you no it's like it was you know, so we have to install this in our nervous system so we can bring it into our love and to our sex. Yeah. yeah. Be- a beautiful practice and one that I think is one of the most lasting mm-hmm. because there were moments, as I said, where I hit that note and I was like, remember this, Luke. Mm-hmm. And I have yeah. been able to achieve that yeah. since, you know, there yeah. was, there's some kind of muscle memory in there that goes, yep, that's the sweet middle mm-hmm. point of that energetic balance. So thank yeah. you for that and You're for everything welcome. else. Yeah, man. Uh, as we come to a close, I've asked you this, I guess, two times before. So I don't know what your answer will be today, but you've taught me and so many people uh, listening so much today who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your work that people might be able to go investigate. Mm, yeah. Um, there's a man named, I talked about martial arts. This is new. Um, there's a man named Sifu Matthew, who's my martial arts teacher. He's in Miami. Um, he's a absolute fucking wizard. So Sifu Matthew, um, is somebody I'll always mention David, you know, David data is my teacher and, you know, has been for 12 years now. So um, anything from David Data, I would send people to. Um, uh, one of my teachers, who's uh, who's a you know a shaman in the lineage of Carlos Castaneda's work, studied it for twenty years and is a true master in this realm, is a man named Teo Alfaro, who um, be great for the podcast. By the way, he lives in. LA. Oh, really? Ooh, yeah, cool. he's, he owns a. He started a. a, a he started um, a, a organization called Wolf Connection. Right. And so he, he rescues wolves. He's got a wolf sanctuary, oh, like 30 wow. to 50 wolves in Acton outside of Los Angeles. It's oh, awesome. Wow. It's awesome. And he, he's a no bullshit shaman. Like, you know, like he doesn't call himself that, but he's, he, that's what he is. And so he wrote a book called, um, I think it's called the wolf connection, but he just wrote a book that's, that's doing really well. So I would send them to, cool. to Teo too. Yeah, Teo Alfero. Yeah. Teo Alfero. Mm-hmm. And what about uh, website, social media, anything you want to plug? 
Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with the virtual workshop, right? So for a lot of people who, who can't get to my workshops, because I only teach a couple of three a year for co-eds or men, um, you, can come on, you can come on to a virtual workshop where I do office hours, answer questions. I, I literally load all the content from my workshops, including lots of the practices that we oh, talked cool. about onto the virtual workshop. So if you hit my website, you can sign up for the virtual workshop. It's like 60 bucks a month and you can stay on it as long as you want, get as Rad. much as you want. It's like kind of like Netflix for all this cool. shit. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, thanks for joining me oh, again. Oh man, I love it. Always all right. good to see you, brother. See you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me on yet another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. I trust that you were inspired to improve the relationship you're in or to find one that suits you and your highest good. I've learned so much from John over the years and uh, man, I just can't get enough of this guy. I could have him on the show every week, honestly. Uh, the the area of romantic relationships has been one that um, I've, I've learned some hard lessons in <laughs> one that's not come easy for a number of different reasons. A, the obvious ones, you know, early trauma, addiction, all those kind of things that I had to work through first, but then just not really focusing on it for so many years, really just having fun and being free and single and having a career and doing all the things that I did for the past 20 years before I really started getting um, serious about finding a very special relationship, which now I have. I hadn't at the time of this recording, but I'm happy to report that I'm putting all that I've learned in life and from John and teachers like him to work and uh, it's paying off. I'm, I'm very happy and I'm sure we'll be talking more about that soon. But uh, first and foremost, I want to thank you for listening to this show. And I think it's through really learning how to relate to one another that we can not only improve and enrich our own lives, but uh, send a ripple effect of love, positivity, compassion, and empathy out to those around us. And in so doing transform our little corner of the world so thank you for participating and if you made it through to the end of this episode uh, that qualifies you to be someone who's committed to improving themselves in their life so i congratulate you for that and thank you for joining me in my journey to do just that this show and every other show of the lifestylist podcast that's ever been or ever will be would not be possible if it was not for the support of our sponsors don't hang up please listen. They're very important. These are awesome. The first one is Comrade Socks. Now, I know this sounds crazy. Like, why is Luke talking about socks? Dude, actually, it's funny. Right at this very moment, I have my Comrade Compression Socks on. I love when I practice what I preach. It was not intentional, but I'm taking a road trip today. I'm driving off to uh, someplace called Indian Wells, which I think is near Palm Springs or something, to uh, spend a week with Joe Dispenza, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, as I said. And um, on long drives, when I'm going to be sitting for long periods of time, standing for long periods of time, and especially flying, I always wear my Comrade Socks, which you can find at ComradeSocks.com. The discount code there is Luke, and that saves you 20% off. Then uh, my friends over at Four Sigmatic, you know I'm going to be packing some of their little instant coffees to go when I go to this Joe Dispenza situation because uh, from what I hear, he's kind of on the Tony Robbins tip, 12-hour days, all that business, going to be working hard on ourselves. So I'll have some of their Lion's Mane instant coffee with me. You can get your hands on some of that at foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story. If you want a discount at foursigmatic.com slash story, enter the code LIFESTYLIST and you'll save 15%. Last but most certainly not least are our friends over at beekeepersnaturals.com. That's beekeepersnaturals.com. 
I just crush their bee products. I like to have a little of the old uh, honey. They make a very special honey infused with pollen and um, what's the other thing? Propolis. I like to have that at night. It uh, it helps me sleep. It's a glucose thing. It's something I discovered uh, in the the deep in the biohacking world. I forget exactly how it works, but it does. And then, of course, when I travel, I have the propolis spray, which is my own little kind of natural antibiotic. And then I just randomly crush spoonfuls of their bee pollen because it's delicious and super healthy and full of copper and B vitamins and all sorts of bioavailable minerals and nutrients. That's beekeepersnaturals.com if you want to get the best and most organic and toxin-free bee products on the planet from some people that not only make great products, but really do a lot in the conservation of our bee communities around the world, which is vastly uh, important. Uh, you can get yourself a discount with the code lifestylist at beekeepersnaturals.com and that saves you 15%. So there you go. Keep your feet cozy with those compression socks. Get your coffee and medicinal mushrooms from Four Sigmatic. When you make that coffee drink, throw some Beekeepers Naturals honey in there and you are winning at the game of life, folks. Thank you so much again for joining me. I'll be back Tuesday where we talk about alleviating stress on a uh, very profound level with Jim Poole. And then again on Friday with a solo show of a talk I did at Mercado Sagrado. Can't wait to share the upcoming episodes with you. Make sure to tune in and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the upcoming shows. All right, peace out. 